Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name is George Scott, Editor-in-Chief of Bike Radar. And today I'm joined in Bilbao by Simon von Bromley, Senior Technical Writer on Bike Radar. Because we're at the Tour de France. Simon, set the scene. Where are we? So if it sounds like we're in a busy cafe in the centre of Bilbao, that's exactly where we are. We're just having a, a little cappuccino break whilst we recover from a hot morning of juicy bike content already. And yeah back out this afternoon for even more it's it's been it's been full on but obviously that means lots of content for our wonderful audience exactly we're on day two of our pre-tour tech roundup yesterday we spent the day touring many of the team hotels here in uh, Bilbao and the surrounding region and we spotted four new bikes which we're, we're going to focus on, on on this podcast we've got a new factor or an unreleased factor I should say an unreleased Ridley an unreleased BMC prototype and the new look, which was released just last week. So again, a brand new bike. So Simon, let's start with the new Factor O2 van. We think it's the O2 van. This is the first bike we spotted yesterday over at the Israel Premier Tech team. So tell us what we know about this bike so far. Yeah, pretty sure it's the O2 van because it says O2 on the seat stay and then van on the top tube. So we're pretty sure it's the O2 van. That will give it away. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's basically, it's you know, so the O2 van was Factor's... Um, lightweight bike so the climbing bike and you know as we're kind of familiar with with all kind of modern bike launches this this new one is supposedly lighter and more aero um in terms of how it looks it you know it kind of reminds me of a giant tcr with drop seat stays so it's got kind of um it's got slightly slim truncated aerofoil tubes as i said drop seat stays like a thin d-shaped seat tube and it's got this incredibly thin top tube now presumably this is just to save weight rather than for sort of you know, it's flattened but i don't think anyone will be shouldering it cyclocross style hopefully um, it also has an integrated seat mast which is kind of reminiscent of that you might see on a trekamonda slr yeah like a pretty tasty bike it's also got the new kind of aero handlebar the black ink aero handlebar one piece integrated setup that we first saw on the factor ostro van at last year's tour de france and that integrates all of the cables. So it's very clean at the front end with you know, nothing on show. Your kind of typical Grand Tour, lightweight, aero, fast bike, really. So we were speaking to the uh, Israel Premier Tech press officer yesterday, and we, we photographed the bike of Simon Clark. It looked like he was the only rider from the team on that bike yesterday. And it was, in fact, the first time he was taking it out. So two days before the Tour de France, the rest of the team were on the Ostro aero bike. So this is, this is a bike that looks to combine aerodynamic features and lightweight it's not we assume as aerodynamic as the ostro itself no i mean the the ostro has noticeably deeper truncated aerofoil tubes especially around the the kind of down tube and the head tube and the fork for example so i, I would expect that you know the ostro is not a not a heavy bike either we we've reviewed we have reviewed a version with um, shimano durace 
and sort of uh, mid-depth carbon wheels. And that came in at you know, seven and a half kilos, roughly. So that's not a heavy bike by any means, but obviously the UCI weight limit is 6.8 kilos. And if you can drop, you know, half a kilogram to get it down even closer to that, then for certain, for certain days with lots of climbing, and obviously this tour has a lot of climbing, you know, for some riders, that's going to be a valuable asset. Mm. Just to talk about the frame again, that, that integrated seat mast is interesting because you don't see too many of those these days. Mid-2010s, there was a lot of bikes with a, with a seat mast. Yeah, and you know, so I think the integrated, you know, the giant TCR Advanced SL still has an integrated seat mast. And I think brands like them because you can make the bike lighter. You don't need the kind of the same amount of hardware for the seat post clamp. You can kind of tune the the characteristics of the of the seat tube and seat post to kind of flex a little bit more more easily. Um, certainly that's what Giant claims. So I imagine it's kind of a similar thing here. Obviously, the reason we don't see so many of them is because we're kind of out of the era of weight weenie bikes. And, and I think most brands opt for practicality over, you know, the kind of that marginal gain of the integrated seat post. But, you know, on a kind of on a lightweight bike such as this, and, you know, Factor is basically only makes high-end bikes. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to make a kind of second-tier version of this bike. So I think it is one of those bikes where I guess they're looking for every gram, every gain, and, and I guess, yeah, they, they obviously think the integrated seat post is, is worth it. Well, let's talk about weight because Factor is a brand that tends to do quite well in terms of weight if you're a weight weenie and you are someone interested in a, as light a bike as possible. So you brought your scales out here. To do the big reveal, how much did Simon Clark's uh, Factor O2 van weigh? Yeah, so it was very light. It was under seven kilos, 6.9 kilograms with pedals and a power to max power meter, which is, you know, it was a spider-based power meter. They're kind of not quite as light as some of the dual-sided crank-based versions. So yeah, like very, very light. It, it was helped by what appears to be a new lightweight black ink wheel set, which had a kind of relatively shallow 28 and 33 mil rims front and rear. Uh, it may have had carbon spokes as well, but it, so it appears that they've kind of developed this this kind of super light bike in tandem with a super light wheel set as well, and it kind of comes together quite nicely. So a couple of other quick um, tidbits to point out on Clark's bike. One's interesting and very personal to the rider. He only rides with one bottle cage, which is um, quite unusual. Yeah, I don't think I know of any other pro who runs one bottle cage. And actually, initially, I thought it was a mistake until George uh, actually corrected me and and noted that, yeah, Simon Clark chooses to run one bottle cage. And I mean, you know, obviously it definitely, <coughs> pardon me, it definitely makes the bike lighter at the expense of dehydration. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly a man who doesn't require a huge amount to drink. Well, dehydration is lighter, isn't it? That's dehydration is lighter and, uh, you know, maybe just... Uh, He's always happy to drop back to the team car. Yeah, or he's got a domestique who's constantly bringing him bottles, so he's just shifting the weight onto someone else's sort of bike, maybe. One other interesting spec choice was the fact that the team are running Continental GP5000 tubeless tyres instead of tyres from their sponsor, Maxxis. Uh, you brought your calipers out here, Simon, and they were 30.6 millimetres. That's a 28C tyre, blew up to 30.6 millimetres on those black ink rims, so probably quite a, a wide internal rim width on those new wheels. Yeah, exactly. And, and as you say, obviously, they, they were kind of hastily with the black marker pen trying to scribble it out before kind of any journalists arrived and, and noticed. But it was pretty obvious anyway, because obviously we all know the kind of GP, that classic GP5000 tread pattern. So it, it's quite obvious. And, you know, obviously, I'm sure they, they know that people are going to spot it. But I, I guess they're kind of, you know, the marker pen is a kind of an act of respect almost to their sponsors. But, it, 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 you know, it's tricky, obviously, for these teams because obviously the commercial realities of the sport, you know, you don't always get to pick the kit you want. 
But if you want to do well in these races, you, you know, you arguably can't afford to give up important gains in crucial areas like tyres. So, you know, there's a bit of push and pull. And maybe for some of the you know, smaller, less important races, they wouldn't do this. But the Tour is the Tour. Tour is the Tour. And the GP5000 is a very popular tyre among uh, Continental sponsored teams. And, and clearly in this case, some teams that aren't sponsored by Continental. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Now, this is a new Ridley. We don't know the name of this bike. It's just marked as a prototype on the frame. Follows a similar theme, though. Yeah, so it's another kind of lightweight, all-rounder bike with, again, truncated Cantel aerofoil, aerofoil tubes, an aero seat tube, but not kind of, you know, none of these none of these frame shapes are as kind of deep or as aggressive as the Ridley Noah, for example, which is um, Ridley's proper aero road bike. Um, didn't have drop seat stays, but this was a very small bike as it belonged to um, Lotto sprinter Caleb Ewan, who's fairly short in stature. So it's kind of possible the larger sizes might have drop seat stays, maybe slightly drop seat stays, but they certainly look as if they kind of join closer up to the kind of seat post junction you know, than a kind of typical BMC or certainly, you know, the, the factor that we've just been talking about. Uh, according to Wikipedia, and I could be wrong here, Caleb Ewan is uh, 167 centimetres, uh, around 5 foot 5, rides probably an extra small frame. Yeah, he was riding an extra small Ridley Noah when we saw his bike last year. And, and yeah, as But, you know, th this is one of the things that when you come to the Tour, you often realise that most professional cyclists are not as big as you as you kind of might think they are because they're all so just hyper lightweight and kind of, you know, hyper optimised to getting over mountains and being professional athletes. So... It's kind of not unusual to, you know, you don't see too many XL frames at the Tour de France. I mean, you know, you see a few, but not as many as you kind of might think. Yeah. And the few you do see really stand out as yeah, farm yeah, gates. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we think this will sit between the, the Ridley Helium, which is the brand's uh, climbing bike or, or lightweight bike. Tend not to see that with the, the Lotto team. Uh, and the Noah Fast, which is the dedicated aero bike. So similar to the fact that OTVAM, in a sense, and trying to combine aerodynamics and lightweight clearly lots of bikes in the peloton that are trying to achieve that balance right now um any other features on the frame time to talk about before we move on to weight and a few details around ewan's bike so you know it it, it kind of had like it had this interesting seat post which kind of kinked towards the top as it got a bit thinner um it almost looked like it was reversible so i don't know if there's something going on there where you can kind of flip the seat post around to kind of make the you know the kind of effective seat post angle a bit steeper or if it's just something for comfort maybe but that was a kind of uh, an interesting detail you know it's gotten you know it, it kind of it all came together quite nicely the kind of frame tube junctions are all very smooth the kind of seat post clamps hidden quite neatly like you say it's that aero slash lightweight all round the bike that's kind of maybe not you know, a jack of all trades, maybe not a, a master of none, but you know, for these opening kind of hilly stages at the Tour de France, where you know a full a full fat aero bike might be a little bit too heavy, there's lots of up and down. But then a lightweight bike, you're kind of giving away too much on that aero front. You know, possibly the perfect kind of bike. I, I will say, you know, surprisingly for how how small it is, it wasn't super light on the scales, coming in at around seven and a half kilos, which um, was a little bit more than I thought, but. You know, it, every brand obviously builds up their bikes with different components and, you know, it's really hard to tell. You know, you can't see inside of the tyres, for example. You don't know how much sealant they're running. You know, you don't know if they're running inserts, for example. Like, you know, they've got, they have the DT Swiss Arc 1100 wheels and they're not the kind of lightest wheels in the world, but they are renowned as being fairly aerodynamic. So, you know, you have to ask yourself, is it worth having a faster wheel set that's slightly heavier? Like for these guys who, you know, they're probably going to average 40 kilometers an hour or something. It, it, it probably is. But 
you know, as we've been talking about, every, we know every pro wants a light bike. Just on um, wheels and tyres, so the team is sponsored by Vittoria and uh, Caleb Ewan is running the new Vittoria Corsa Pro tubeless tyres, which we've seen a lot of riders on since the start of the year. These actually measured uh, on the narrower side compared to a lot of tyres we saw yesterday. Yeah, that's right. So they were coming up at um, 26.5 millimetres wide on those rims. And, you know, I think DT Swiss's aero sort of philosophy, as it were, would be they don't have the super wide internal rim whips of say, you know, your zip wheels or your envies. Um, and that just keeps, that means the tire ends up narrower as a result because of the influence of the rim whip. And, and I think their kind of idea is that it keep by keeping the tire narrower, it doesn't kind of affect the airflow over the rim. You know, if you've got a tire that's too, too wide for your rim, for example, that can kind of spoil the aerodynamics of your wheel set. And so, you know, different wheel brands do it in different ways. You know, Zip and Envy get around that by having exceptionally wide rims as well, you know, both internally and externally. But DT Swiss's wheels, you know, while very, very well-renowned for their aerodynamics, are not, say, as progressive as, as some others out there. And we saw the effect that that can have yesterday on uh, Tade Pogaccia's bike running Envy wheels with 28C tyres, but they inflated to what, 31, 32 millimetres? Yeah, yeah, 31 front and uh, over 31 front and uh, over 32 millimetres at the rear, which is, you know, it's just bonkers, really. I mean, we, we, you know, we were talking about it yesterday whilst we were looking at the bike and we had tyres on our best gravel bikes tyres list that were narrower than that only a few years ago. So it just kind of shows you, you know, and this is on a bike that's for a climber, not a bike for a kind of classics specialist or something. It, it, yeah. So, so things are moving really fast. And I guess it's interesting as well to see that, you know, whilst most riders and teams were on 28s, not every single team, simply saying, oh, they're riding 28s doesn't mean they're riding 28 millimeter tires. Absolutely. A um, couple of other points on Ewan's bike, uh, a 36 centimeter handlebar, no real surprise given the, the trend for narrow handlebars uh, in 2023 and the fact that he is uh, a smaller sprinter both in stature and uh, as a sprinter someone who needs to move about the peloton and and uh, fight your way to the front in a bunch sprint a couple of spaces under the stem but a long stem so a typically aggressive position for, uh, for Caleb Ewan uh, let's move on to the next one bike three that we spotted yesterday now this is a new BMC we uh, photographed and spent some time with Ben O'Connor's bike that's the Australian GC contender from uh, the AG2R Citroen team now, this was a really interesting bike. This is a full-fat aero bike. So um, describe this one to the listener, Simon. Yeah, so if people are familiar with the kind of BMC time machine, it's kind of in a similar mold to that. But the, but the shapes in this one are a little bit more organic, less angular, the kind of fewer kind of sharp, sharp angles. And, and it's got a, you know, there are kind of still plenty of kind of BMC trademarks, such as the kind of drop seats days. It's got that really aggressive integrated cockpit that we first saw on the BMC Caius, which is um, 36 centimetres wide. And then you know, Ben O'Connor's, who's a pretty tall, rangy guy, he's, he's pairing up a 14 centimetre stem. So, you know, we just talked about Caleb Ewan. It's not unusual for a, for a smaller rider to use a narrow bar, but Ben O'Connor's a really big guy, like well over 180 centimetres. And this was on a size 58 centimetre frame. So, yeah, I mean... Even even the taller guys are running narrower bars these days because, as you as you say, it's a kind of slightly more aero position, makes it a little bit easier to move around within the bunch. And, it, and it's you know it's kind of like if you're comfortable with the handling, then there's not much downside to it. But in terms of the frame, it's got a really deep truncated aerofoil head tube, which kind of then flows into the down tube. The down tube widens, um, and there's a kind of integrated bottle cage similar to, well, it's, I think it might be actually identical to the one seen on the BMC team machine, 
which is kind of interesting because the original BMC Time Machine had the first kind of integrated aero bottle cages. And then the BMC Team Machine had a kind of light version of that. Uh, and then they've adopted the light version for this new aero bike because uh, you know, the old BMC Time Machine had this kind of awkward design where it had a uh, kind of a bento box in between the two bottle cages, which of course wasn't used. It filled in the gap, you know, for a kind of small aerodynamic game. But of course, it wasn't UCI legal because that would have been, it would have counted as a fairing. Um, so you didn't have it. And then without that in place, the kind of bottle cages look quite big and chunky. So this one is, you know, a little bit more cleanly integrated, a little bit like the one we see on the um, kind of most latest giant propel. In terms of the seat tube, it's kind of got a kind of almost like a time trial bike kind of style seat tube with a kind of deep aerofoil and the, the kind of the, the rear of it hugs the rear wheel as it comes up to meet the seat stays. It's a kind of flattened triangle junction at, at that point, which is quite deep. Again, top tube gets narrower towards the kind of seat post, but it's almost almost uh, horizontal top tube as you're kind of accustomed to on aero bikes. And it had quite a cool uh, seat post as well. Again, a, you know, a kind of slim truncated aerofoil seat post, but the race number holder almost seemed to be providing like a little bit of a wedge effect at the back. Now, I'm assuming that consumer bikes won't come with a wedge race number holder, but there might be something in there that maybe this, you know, the seat post kind of isn't as chunky as the, the seat tube therefore allowing it to flex a little bit more, but it kind of has, it's heavily truncated, you know, which presumably means it has a similar kind of aerodynamic property. Yeah, that's a really neat feature or just piece of attention to detail. Um, on a lot of team bikes these days, we see uh, custom or 3D printed number holders because almost every bike has a, a different uh, seat post or a proprietary seat post. Um, but this one, as you say, almost integrated into the, the, the wedge-shaped gap at the back of the, or between the seat post and the seat tube. Um, so yeah, neat attention to detail there. I, I do, you know, one other interesting detail as well was the um, was the fork, uh, and it's kind of it has really wide legs, like really heavily bowed out, like kind of like you would have seen on some of the, you know, if anyone has been watching cycling for a while, Team G, GB turned up to the 2012 Olympics with a really wide stance fork on their track bikes, uh, just loads of clearance around the front wheel, and, and I think the idea of that is that it, you know, the fork basically doesn't interact with the airflow around the front wheel. So, you know, it's kind of agnostic to whatever wheel choice you're using, which can be quite useful. But funnily enough, there wasn't loads of tyre clearance. You know, we, we can, we'll talk about tyres in a moment. I think they were running Pirelli P0 race TLR tyres set up with um, inner tubes. But, you know, they were coming up quite quite large on the Campagnolo Bora wheels. But there wasn't a load of clearance around that. So I don't think BMC is definitely not doing it thinking that this is, you know, a kind of aero gravel bike. It, it, this kind of wide stance fork is quite clearly there from a kind of aerodynamics perspective rather than a tyre clearance perspective. Absolutely. Just to go back to the frame, there's a there's a lot of carbon fibre going on here in terms of the deep tubes. There's a, there's a lot of neat, intricate details clearly to improve the aerodynamic performance of the bike. But it's not a heavy bike, and this is a 58 centimetre frame. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, obviously, having seen this bike after um, the Ridley, for example, you know, it, it was quite surprising to see this one come out at around 7.3 kilograms, which, you know, as you just said, for, for a proper aero bike, you know, it doesn't really, obviously, I'm sure they have made some concessions to weight, but it doesn't make any obvious concessions to weight compared to, say, Canyon Aero CFR or, you know, a, a, a kind of say a Trek Madone, but it, yeah. And it's a 58 centimeter bike, deep section wheels, you know, it's not running time trial tires or anything. You know, obviously I will say the Pirelli inner tubes are light, but you're not saving thousands of grams there. So yeah, 
like quite impressive. Mm, the, the Campanolo Bora Ultra WTO wheels are, are, are certainly on the lighter side for a midsection carbon wheel set as well. Yeah, they are, but they're still going to be, I would imagine, in the region of 1400 grams. It's, it's, it isn't the kind of, you know, the, the, I would, you know, the, the 2833s we saw on Simon Clark's bike, for example, would have, I would have thought were significantly lighter than those again. And, you know, to, to think that this bike, which, you know, had the latest Campagnolo wireless group set, but with the older power to max power meter and chain rings, you know, to think that this 58 centimeter bike is only something like 400 grams heavier than Simon Clark's brand new Factor O2 van. I mean, it's kind of mind-boggling. Yeah, impressive. Uh, as you mentioned there, it's got the new Campagnolo Super Record wireless group set on, no thumb shifter instead of the, the two paddles. Um, behind the brake lever, the old chain rings um, to get pro-level gear in? Yeah, I mean, so the new Campagnolo wireless group set, a bit like SRAM Axis group sets, has kind of revised gearing ranges with um, a 10 tooth sprocket at the back and then smaller chain rings at the front, which then combine, sort of t- combine together to give you kind of more range because, you know, with a smaller chain ring and a smaller cassette cog, you, get a, you still get a big effective gear, but... You know, I think the pros are quite concerned about drivetrain efficiency. You know, they don't want to be running a 50-tooth chainring and then getting dropped on a descent. Even if technically, you know, a 5010 is a similar gear to a 5311, you know, actually a 5311 is is small by pro gear standards. You know, we, we saw last year at the start of Tour de France, practically everyone was running 5411, if not 5511, 5611 for some stages. So... Yeah, I, I, you know, I think just like we've seen with pro teams sponsored by SRAM, I don't expect the pro teams sponsored by Campagnolo to use the kind of new smaller chain rings. I, I expect that Campagnolo will eventually update their kind of, you know, their new ones and make kind of special special edition extra big chain rings that, you know, obviously as per UCI rules will have to be available to punters. But obviously, you know, unless you're, <laughs> unless you're as fit as a World Tour pro, you probably don't need them. We'll keep an eye out on, uh, for those on AGSOR Team Bikes. They are the only team sponsored by Campag in 2023. So one to watch in the future. Let's move on to the final bike. Now, this is one that has officially been launched, unlike the three that we covered already. So this is the Look 795 Blade RS. We do have a story on this from Eurobike where we uh, went to the launch last week on bikeradar.com, but the first time that Simon and I have seen it in the flesh. So let's run over a few of the key details on this one, Simon. Yeah, so this is a really cool bike. And, um, you know, it's the first look I think I've probably seen, you know, in in real life. But it, it it was great. You know, it has that kind of classic Mondrian paint job that is you know so so famously associated with look and and you know going back a lo- you know a really long time obviously look has a storied history within the Tour de France but um yeah, we saw it in a size kind of XL and a bit like the Ridley it's a kind of lightweight all round the bike with drop seat stays truncated aerofoil seat tubes you know a kind of wider stance for you know plenty of carbon going on like you know, and when I say it like that, it all sounds pretty standard, but there were a couple of like really interesting details on this. And I think, you know, look appears to have put a lot of work into the integrated cockpit, which is a two piece system, but you know, for all intents and purposes is, is basically as clean as a one piece system. So it's pretty cool. I think, I don't know exactly how much adjustability it affords you in terms of kind of bar angle and stuff like that, but it definitely enables you to choose your stem length and bar width 
independently of each other. So that's quite a cool detail because that's often the problem, you know, we're buying a bike with an integrated handlebar is that, you know, it's kind of fine if it, if, if it comes with the size you want, but if it doesn't come with the size you want, it can be a bit of a pain. <laughs> so, you know, this, this seems like a good solution, although, you know, it, it, it will, there will be some compromise versus a kind of completely non-integrated setup. Like I imagine that the stem is only compatible with this handlebar, for example, but, you know, if you want something that's this clean, that's probably a sacrifice you're going to have to make. Absolutely. Certainly a theme to, the, to most of the bikes that we've spoken about with the, the look and the Ridley and the Factor in that they're chasing that combination of um, aerodynamics and, and lightweight. The bike industry is a pretty cyclical beast. Last year at the Tour, we we're most, mostly focusing on full fat aero bikes. Those were the key launches last year. This year, we've gone full circle, less full aero bikes and, and more bikes again trying to strike that middle ground yeah and i think that's to be fair to the brands i don't think it's them just trying to sell us you know a brand new car every year i think it's kind of reflective of the fact that last year's tour you know started in copenhagen and it was going to be a you know a kind of three or four days of just flat stages mm-hmm. and you know it, if anyone remembers last last year's tour the opening stages some of them were raced at an average speed of like 50 kilometers an hour or something so of course you know, yeah, we photographed a load of full fat aero bikes last year because everyone turned up with their most aero frame, their deepest wheels, their biggest chain rings, you know, their fastest tires. You know, we, there was a time trial last year, which, you know, we saw those as well with some you know, 60 tooth monster chain rings because it was a really short flat TT. You know, this, this year's tour is, is different. And we're here in, as, as I said earlier, in, in Bilbao, where it's just really like hilly and rolling and twisty. And, and, you know, the kind of, yeah, full fat aero bikes can be great for, barreling along kind of dead straight flat roads but they're not necessarily even if you know the kind of number crunches might tell us that they are going to be faster in the simulations the the racing in real life is kind of different to the simulations even that's difficult for me to say like the way a bike handles can be different as well and and it's kind of windy and rainy today and and i i like to run quite deep deep wheels but if you go out on a on a really windy day they can they can be quite difficult to handle and it can be the same thing with aero bikes and so a kind of less aggressively aero bike that's like slightly easier to handle you know you don't want to be crashing on opening stages of the tour well one thing we've certainly learned from driving uh, around the area between team hotels some of which are an hour hour and a half apart is that as you say is very hilly around here steep tight twisting climbs and descents it's going to be uh it's potentially going to be a pretty chaotic opening few days yeah absolutely and if the if the weather uh, doesn't improve i mean it's only going to make it worse you know we kind of as you do as soon as it rains you do that cyclist thing of you you know you kind of check the road see how greasy it is and and yeah like it, it you know obviously the, the roads around here are very well paved but that unfortunately means when the rain falls the water just sits on top of it to a degree so you know, hopefully everyone, everyone's got their kind of wet weather tyre pressures worked out. Just uh, just on that, um, we haven't spoken about Talia Pogaccia's bike, which we did see yesterday, but it isn't a knee bike. We'll, we'll talk about that elsewhere. But just on the subject of grip, tell the listeners what you spotted the mechanic doing as we uh, rocked up to the UAE truck. Yeah, that was that was really funny. So I think so. The, so the guy was installing brand new tyres on a set of wheels for the for um, the UAE team Emirates bikes and. Uh, you know, new new tubeless tyres tend to come out of the box with a kind of little bit of a coating on them from the mould, kind of, you know, an easy re- easy release substance that helps them kind of peel out from the mould and just, just kind of helps them set up tubeless a little bit more. And so the mechanic was basically scraping that off with a pair of scissors, um, just roughing up the edge of the tyre. And, you know, it might just be a superstition thing, but, you know, I'm sure the mechanics, they don't want to 
get blamed if a rider takes a spill and someone goes, well, those were brand new tyres. You know, why are we using brand new tyres on the opening stage of the tour when it's wet? That's crazy. You know, they haven't been worn in. So I, I think it's just one of those things. Whether it makes any difference or not, I, you know, I, I don't really know. But, you know, a, a rougher surface should provide a little bit more friction, I suppose. But, it, you know, who knows? Certainly one of those interesting details that, that, that we can pick out when... Uh, tour in the team hotels ahead of the tour and we'll bring you plenty more on the podcast on the site uh, and on our video channel on youtube over the coming days and weeks uh back to the new look blade rs or 795 blade rs 890 gram claimed frame weight that is for a small we shot an xl bike and that came in at 7.5 kilograms so again in the right ballpark for what was a very big bike yeah that's right and you know it, that that was kind of quite impressive really because it is a very big bike and you know the frame shapes aren't the kind of most aggressively aerodynamic that we've seen but they're but they're certainly you know not round tube it's not a specialized AFOS by any any stretch and it also had deep section carbon carbon wheels Karima carbon wheels not the kind of ultra high-end ones with the kind of carbon spokes they just looked to be a kind of standard spoked wheel um they were tubular wheels though which obviously does lighten things up a little bit and if we're ready to move on to tires on this bike this was quite an interesting topic it was so tubular tires and i mean it's an, an all-round old school setup on this bike in terms of tires yeah that's right so they're running i mean so they're running a you know a, a new model of tire at least a michelin power cup but they were running them in um as you say tubular form and 25 millimeters wide and you know being tubulars you know, they're not influenced by rim width or anything like that. So they actually measured bang on 25 millimetres wide, which is, you know, by a millimetre and a half, the narrowest tyre that we've seen so far. And and to be honest, it's kind of almost perplexing, really. It feels a little bit 2013, but, you know, I think there's kind of two possible explanations, really. Like, the kind of generous explanation is that those Karima wheels are optimised for 25 millimeter tires and in said you know in the sense that they, they may have a slightly narrower external rim width as a kind of deep section aero wheel that's optimized for that tire you know we were back at the kind of um cofidis trucks this morning and i did see some spare wheels and on the team car with um clincher versions of those tires and they look to be slightly wider so it may just be that is the optimal setup for those wheels and when they're not running those wheels or you know they might be running a, a different wheel a wider wheel they'll be running wider tires. But the less generous explanation is that they're, you know, they're just not kind of paying attention to the, to the latest trends, really. So kind of hard to, hard to say. Mm, certainly an outlier among the, the teams we saw yesterday. We saw one or two other tubs, but pretty much everyone on, on tubeless and a few, a few clinches in there. So one other final detail on this bike to talk about, and that was the presence of an SRM power meter. Again, this is something we, we, we would have seen, like the tires, on pretty much every bike five, 10 years ago, but you don't see so many SRMs in the Peloton in 2023. No, you don't. As you say, like, you know, just, just kind of how Campagnolo is dwindling, SRM feels like one of those brands that you know, we were just so used to at the Tour de France, but it just not, we don't see it so much anymore. And I don't think that's anything to do with the quality of their power meters, for example. You know, as far as, as, far as I'm aware, SRM still have a very good reputation. You know, this is the Cofidis are using the Origin 9, uh, with look cranks and the look cranks have cool that cool little um, adjustable crank length feature that you get at the pedal axle which is quite nice so I think it's a lightweight accurate power meter you know use user-friendly rechargeable battery and everything like that uh, integrates nicely with the latest Shimano chain rings I think just SRM have kind of pulled back from 
sponsoring the pro teams similar to Campagnolo, whether it's a kind of money thing or they just don't feel like it aligns with their you know marketing goals anymore but yeah like you know, we used to see SRMs on ev- every single bike and mm. and now just just down to one team and more power meter options than ever out there and, and I think as well the likes of Shimano offering a power meter and, and Quark with SRAM a lot of brands are going to be tied into their drivetrain drive train supplier. Yeah, exactly. I think that was the, the major switchover point, really, because prior to the Dura-Ace, uh, the previous generation Dura-Ace, R9100, Shimano didn't offer a power meter option for its drivetrains. Um, but then as soon as they did, that kind of, lots of other brands, just Stages and 4i, and, you know, obviously we see power to, power to maps in the, in the Peloton as well. Um, there's just yeah as you say a lot more competition in that space and so i imagine the kind of cost of sponsoring it you know i imagine in the past every pro team was coming to srm begging to use its power meters and 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 now that they're, they're maybe not well i think let's leave it there been a brilliant whistle stop tour of the four new bikes we've seen the look 795 blade rs a new bmc we think it's the time machine a new ridley got no idea what this is but it's a prototype um, hopefully you hear more about that one in the future and the Factor O2 VAM again one to watch uh, might see a release in the Tour de France and uh, we'll keep pressing Factor for details on on that one um, if you do want more behind the scenes content from Bike Radar at the Tour follow us on Instagram it's at Bike Radar we're sharing lots of stories there with uh, little tidbits from the mechanics trucks and keep an eye out on our YouTube channel as well because we'll, we'll be bringing you a full video of all four of these bikes with plenty more details and of course you can see them in the flesh Um, Simon, thanks for joining me. Let's get back out there. Thanks very much. Thank you once again for listening. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.